Benvenuti to Kimberly's Italy. Welcome everyone to episode 91. That's another word, Tommaso and everybody. Italian class here. Remember episode 88 is pronounced otantoto. You kind of jam words together, two words into one. In some cases, this is another one. Instead of novanta, e uno, it's novantuno. Try that, Tommaso. Novantuno. Bravo, God, you're getting like really good. My name is Kimberly Holcomb and you just heard Tommaso there. We have a treat in store for this episode. A friend came over and shared her family story, which will interest anyone who has ever been to Venice. And there are two types of people in this world. Those that have been to Venice and those that want to go to Venice. <laughs> right? Oh, that's perfectly summarized. Those that will go to Venice. Those that will go to Venice. Correct. That is brilliant. Well, even though those that want to go and will go, haven't been yet, most likely they have heard of the one little place that we're going to talk about in this episode. And we'll get right back to this fabulous story, but I have another cute story that I want to share. I received a voicemail message on WhatsApp this morning from a driver I work with in the Amalfi Coast. He told me that the full day tour he had with my clients went really well and they enjoyed the vineyards the lemon orchards, the limoncello tastings, the scenery, and that they seem to have really enjoyed the day. And then he's so kind, he thanked me for the business. And he will be very busy this summer because I have so many clients going to the Amalfi Coast. So I walked into Tommaso's office and I wanted to play the recording for him, even though it's in Italian. I just wanted Tommaso to hear how kind this driver is because he's never met him yet. So I translated it and then Tommaso just looked at me and he basically summarized my travel planning in one sentence. And he said, Kimberly, your relationships with the Italian you work with become your clients' relationships as well. And that's a simple fact because Italy is so crowded and it is so special that these people are so friendly and reliable Italians that treat your clients like they would treat you or me or when we're there together. So it's a, that personal connection that translates across the Atlantic at the same time. <laughs> when they show up, they know it's not like you just booked online. Exactly. They know it's Kimberly's client. Right. And that really sets the tone for the day because the vendors, all those wonderful drivers and boat people, they're just so special to the people that you book. Because frankly, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of biased, but you're kind of special. Oh, que carino. <laughs> <laughs> well, every time that we've gone on a trip together, Tommaso does witness these um, relationships I have. And like walking into the restaurants that where I know the people well, they're like, ciao, you must be Tommaso. Yes. <laughs> and the beauty is, you don't have to pay for my travel planning services. Exactly. I just have to re record this and edit this and produce this podcast. Yeah, well, that's a lot of work, especially like when you hear the recording we just did this interview. I was a little choppy back to my early days. So 
Regardless, I'm very grateful for everything you do, Tommaso. Allora. Without further ado, let's just get into this interview. I was going to say without further ado. I can't believe you said that. Let's go, baby. (laughs) I thought it's so old school to say that. And you did. (laughs) Allora. Without further ado. All right. As we mentioned in the introduction, we have one of my newest friends here. And we have a couple small world stories to share. They're actually smaller than small world because as we've mentioned, 90 episodes, we've mentioned probably 10 times, the world is, it's not a small world, it's a medium-sized cocktail party. And this goes from a medium-sized cocktail party to a really small cocktail party. Right. (laughs) And we'll get there. So welcome, Edie. Hello. Hello. Thanks for coming. Yes. Thank you for driving all the way down from Maine regardless of the fact you're on your way to Martha's Vineyard tomorrow, but we really appreciate it and happy to have you here. So good to see you after all these months. I know. We haven't been seeing each other since our trip, and that's actually how I want to preface this. So Edie was one of the women on the trip we took last October, November, and we had a fantastic time. And this is why I find this story we're about to tell you so fun is because we did like four or five days in Rome, awesome time, saw everything, walked everywhere, loads of great dinners, etc. Then when we left, we took a train to Napoli, then a crazy taxi drive from Napoli train station to the port, if you remember that guy. Oh, yes, I do. Sono Napolitano, Napolitano, cento per cento Napolitano. We get to the port, we take a ferry to Capri, we have a Awesome first day, a first swim, lovely afternoon on the terrace, went to dinner. Then the next day we decided to cook at this villa that we rented and the kitchen was teeny and not so good. But Edie, I now know, is a fantastic cook and she whipped up the best meal out of there. And the the reason we wanted to eat there was because that terrace and that view. So we all collectively, well, let me... Say that some of us helped you and the others <laughs> the others were playing cards and drinking all the wine on the terrace. And so while I was helping make a little salad or something, Edie so nonchalantly said to me, you know, this has been great and we still have several more places to go, but I really, really want to go to Venice because I've never been I was like, oh, you have to go. It's so amazing. It's incredible. And there's nothing like it. And Edie said, I know, I've heard, but I also have this ancestor that lived there for a while. And he he actually has a bar named after him. So she's still like at the stove cooking and not looking at me. I go, what bar? She goes, Harry's. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God. I'm, surp- I'm surprised you, your, your jaw didn't hit the floor. And then it did. Bop. I'm like, Harry's bar? <laughs> You're related to Harry? So yes, you are. Harry Pickering. Can you tell us how that happened? The, but- drunk, the drunk in the family. <laughs> <laughs> the, the family story goes that he was whisked off to Europe after being a naughty boy in and around the Boston area. And he went with an elderly aunt and her little dog. Oh. And they went and they stayed at the Hotel Europa 
I don't know if oh, that's how you pronounce yeah, it is correct. And that's how okay. And that's where the Got bar it. was. And um Giuseppe Cipriani was the bartender, the lowly bartender there at the time. Right. And they struck up a nice friendship and he was a regular. <laughs> as was his elderly aunt oh, and really? the little dog. Oh, you know <laughs> I love that about Europe. You bring your dog everywhere. I know. Exactly. And um after a time, uh, maybe it was his habits while he was there, although she was quite the drinker, too. And she was <laughs> apparently, I think she was seduced by somebody, or she probably seduced somebody knowing the, you know, the Pickering family. Just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're opening some doors here. I'm gonna, <laughs> this, this could off, go a little farther. Yeah, off she went and left him in the lurch. And you mean off she went, like left Venice? Gone, gone. Oh. With, she didn't even take the dog with her. She just went off with a new man, I, I, I've heard. This okay. is a family story. Okay. And she left Harry to his own devices, and he was pretty much flat broke by then. And um, Giuseppe loaned him 10,000 lira, which apparently is about $400, something like that. At the time. At, At the, the time. time. Enough to get home. And Harry left with promises to come back and pay him back. And it was a bit of a long wait, I'm sure, for Gi- Giuseppe, thinking, <laughs> that's it. There goes my... And um, he did come back two years later-ish. And he gave him 40,000 lira and then another 50,000 lira and said, let's open a bar and we'll call it after me. And um, that was... That's the story. The the bar was born in a different location, of course. Right. Because the bar at Hotel Europa, where Giuseppe was the main bartender, is still there. Hotel Europa e Britannica. I'm not sure it's still called that, but the hotel is still there. So they... Found another location right by the Grand Canal, and it's pretty low-key. Oh, you haven't been yet. Okay, it's very low-key, but I'm sure you've seen images, pictures. I have seen pictures, yeah. Right, and but everyone goes because, it, because of this story that this Harry's Bar is so famous, named after an American because of a bartender's generosity. Yep. And when we were talking about no, it no, earlier— No, not because of a bartender's generosity, because of her ancestor's generosity, because— that oh correct that amount of dough right now, the forty thousand would have been worth forty thousand dollars to in today's dollars, and fifty thousand on top of that, lira would have been another fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And I guarantee you, my favorite bartender in Newport, Rick <laughs> Rivera, who I've known since many America's Cups ago, uh, is not going to loan me ten grand at any time in today's dollars. That's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so. <laughs> Funny. So, do you know that Harry returned to America and then went back and returned mm-hmm. to Italy? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, do you know what happened to him? Did he stay in Italy? I don't. I okay. don't. I imagined he probably drank himself to dr- to, to death at an early age. I don't know. It's my I mean, place. I drink free. Harry, may, you're, yeah. you're driving us into bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I mean, he may have come back. He may have been a young, you know, a silly young man and mm-hmm. became responsible and mm-hmm. made, maybe made a good show of it. But later that on was in life. that was 1931 when Giuseppe opened Harry's Bar, and I'm sure your ancestor went at least to yeah. see it in real life and have his you know, namesake have at least a drink at the bar. Oh, for sure, that's for sure. So and, and don't forget, awesome. Europe was getting pretty weird at that time. You know, Correct. Mussolini and Hitler. 
things were moving pretty rapidly towards World War II. Right. Yep. So Americans weren't, you know, encouraged to hang out. However, before all that happened, I will say that at the bar, Giuseppe invented this cocktail that mm-hmm. the three of us are drinking right now. Hold on. Excuse me. I'm going to grab my yeah, glass. Yeah. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> Chin, chin, chin. We are drinking a Bellini, which is simply Prosecco and peach nectar. And Tommaso bought this peach nectar for us. I told him just where to go. But the fruit juices in Italy always, always have been so far superior to these, to the juice we can buy in America. But it is a delicious combination. Prosecco and peach peach nectar it's so good yes so we figured it's only appropriate to be drinking that can i also mention that your family the pickering family still has a relationship with cipriani's indeed with harry's bar can you i guess you should explain the pickering house so that this makes sense in salem there's a house. Salem, Massachusetts. Salem, Massachusetts. There's a lot of people around the world listening to us. So. Yes. Salem, Massachusetts. There's a house that we, until recently, called the oldest house in the U.S., continually lived in by one family. But at this point, it's continually maintained by one family okay. because my aunt, back in 93 or something, left the house and retired. And we had to have tenants after that because there wasn't a family member that was able to live there. But it's very old. It was it was built in 1650 by the first John Pickering Ugh. and continuously, continuously lived in by John Pickering's until Timothy Pickering, who was a colonel under George Washington during the Revolutionary period, war period. And he had many other Johns. There were many other Johns to follow. <laughs> And um, so we've had lots and lots of fundraisers and things like that, one of which was in celebration of Harry's Bar. And the Cipriani's kindly donated all sorts of swag for the party, the cases of the Bellini mix and, Uh. oh, just all sorts of fun stuff from the business and the restaurant and the bar. So, um, yes, we, we were, they were very generous, very generous. And I hope one day to go into Harry's Bar in Venice. Oh, I want you to. I, I actually want to walk you in there. <laughs> yeah, let's do it, Kim. Let's go. <laughs> Can Tommaso come? Of course. He has been to Harry's Bar on his first and actually only visit, yes, first and only, only visit a long time ago, right when we first met. That was our first trip. But I digress. I'm going to go start on rambling on that. L- let me just ask you, when was this fundraiser... Was it recently? I'd say it was 10 years ago. Okay, okay. So Harry's Bar, Cipriani family still knows that the Pickering house is in this little teeny village of Salem, Massachusetts, and they were kind enough or generous enough to to contribute mm-hmm. all for their namesake. Yep. Because it's a small, of Harry. It's a small city, not a tiny village. But Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and very historic, and there's plenty of good reasons to go there. The Pickering House numbering way up there, but everybody loves to go to Salem, and it's a beautiful, the Peabody Essex Museum is there, and it's right. fabulous. And, and the nautical art there. I yes. think most people know of it by, if they don't live anywhere near New England in America, they know of it 
because of the Salem witch trials. I know. It's just an unfortunate I know. <laughs> chapter in the beautiful city's history. It's a smudge. Right. <laughs> All right. So then... Let me just say one thing. You know, the Italians, their love of history and their knowledge of centuries of history, like about 90 years ago, that was like yesterday to them. They won't forget. They won't forget for like two more centuries, the, 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 the pickerings, because, you know, they're the Borghese's and everything go back centuries. And uh, they, wait, I'm trying to follow you. What are you saying that the Cipriani family would, of course, contribute because they continue to because it's it's like yesterday. Yeah, 90 oh, years. See. Yeah, it's only it's barely even history. Exactly. It's barely history. <laughs> <laughs> only get one it. generation ago. I is. know, right? Well, 1650. That's pretty. That's pretty significant. Yeah. There's some houses in Newport here that are that old as well. Just mm-hmm. a few left standing. And they do take a lot of um, upkeep, don't they? Yes, they do. Yes. We must have our fundraisers now and then. And we have a wonderful, wonderful group of members of that the make foundation. it happen. Yeah, that help us out. All right. So next time we head to Massachusetts, we're going. Do we get like have to. VIP treatment? Of course. <laughs> you get a personal tour. Okay. All right. So we have another awesome small world story. And this is what you were referring to as the smallest cocktail party ever. Yes, correct. All right. So when I texted Tom from Capri and said, Edie here and her sisters are pickerings and that was Harry Pickering, etc. I told the whole story in a very long text. And he wrote back, he's like, oh my God, that's amazing. We went to Harry's, etc. So then, being the history fanatic that he is, I wake up the next morning, I get like a five-page text from him going, her ancestor is Colonel Timothy Pickering, who you just mentioned. He went on and on and on about everything he, your ancestor did. And... It was all during the Revolutionary War. So, here's the small world story. My ancestor, um, named Samuel Holcomb, was one of George Washington's spies. So, I think after we came back from Italy, and Tom reminded me about your ancestor, Colonel Timothy Pickering, I then called you or emailed you or texted, and I said, guess what? My ancestor, George Washington spy, and your ancestor, Colonel Timothy Pickering, must have met. And I was convinced of it. I thought it was so cool. And then Edie and I exchanged a few emails like, how amazing is that? Small world, small world, not necessarily small cocktail party reference yet. But then Tommaso just told me tonight that there's no chance they would have met because my ancestor was the spy. And they need to be like stealth and incognito, right? So instead, I'm going to leave it with this, that I bet you Timothy and Samuel at least were at a pub together, some tavern in, you know, Boston or... Probably New York, because her New ancestor, York, yeah, uh, Timothy, went to New York and he was the helped defend the Hudson as Washington moved south. And unfortunately, oh, now we're going to get the history well, lesson. Well, unfortunately, I'm a history nut. I'm sitting here. When I looked at this, I had to pull out all my books on the revolution and Pulitzer Prize winners and whatnot. And David McCullough cites your ancestor in here mm-hmm. and during the siege of Boston. And the other small world story is today, March 17th, is evacuation day when the siege of Boston ended and the British 120 ships 
left Boston and went to Canada. And that was under her ancestors' rule. That well, siege. not a rule. He was he was I, I the colonel. Mean, yeah, uh, he was under part his of the guidance. Yeah, was part of the siege. Yes, Correct. that's cool. Here we are in a recording studio in our house on this little island in Rhode Island, and 247 years ago that happened, right? Good math. I looked it up earlier because <laughs> I can't add anything. So I looked it up and I remembered it. Anyway, so I think that is super cool that we have a, well, the Harry's Bar story is my favorite, but yet Edie and I, who just met in Rome, no, we met in the airport boston airport went to rome capri amalfi procida napoli for pizza and then here we are a couple months later sharing this awesome awesome story it's pretty cool it is very cool so we're um wait final word tom also said hey you both could be daughters of the revolution daughters of the american revolution have you heard of that they're called the dames Oh, the dames. Yeah. I'd rather be a dame. That's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a dame, but I've been approached about being a dame. Really? And, yeah. No one approached me. I wonder why. I don't know. <laughs> I, think I, know. It, I think it's probably a little bit stuffy. Stuffy. Yeah. You're a RISD graduate <laughs> and you're a designer. And Kimberly is a photographer. I think it'd be a little bit too much to have tea in a very dainty little cup. And you know what? <laughs> Speaking of that concept of stuffy... The reason I found this whole story and and how you told me so, so low key, so nonchalantly, I found it so fantastic because you waited four or five days until you mentioned it. And you were just so matter of fact about, oh, yeah, by the way. And we have met people here who there's a long history of everything here in New England. And we have met people who basically within the first five minutes of meeting you say, Oh, yes, my um, ancestors came over on the Mayflower. We're like, <laughs> so now I come back with my ancestor was Washington spy. So try and beat that. <laughs> but that's why I just thought it was so just adorable how you just dropped that one day. And then of all the things to be related to, associated with, I should say, it's Harry's Bar. So you have to go. And if you want an escort, I'm available. <laughs> I have to go. I can't wait. I can't wait. Tommaso as well. It's very low key. And I read more about it. Giuseppe, the bartender, wanted it to be low key, not pretentious, not showy. He wanted it comfortable. So people like Ernest Hemingway can sit in the corner and no one's going to gawk at him. So I think the way he designed it, built it, it, it worked, and it's the exact same interior today. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. And when you first walk in, you're kind of like, oh, wow, this is, you know, nothing ornate, elaborate, or whatever. But what is my favorite are the doors, the doors into the bar and the hotel. I'll leave it at that. You have to go. Yeah, I, I mean, the history of people that have spent time there. Richard Burton, Truman Capote, Orson Welles, Charlie Chaplin, Alfred Hitchcock, Peggy Guggenheim, George Clooney, current, actually current guy there. But, you know, Woody Allen, it, it is a wonderful place. And soon it will be Edie, Tommaso, and Kimberly. See. <laughs> <laughs> and your sisters, of course. All right. So I think that's it. Anything more to say? There's just one other thing. We know about the Pickering House. We can tell you about that. You can look it up on the internet. 
Pickering House in Salem. Mm -hmm. And also, if you want, we didn't know this at the time when we were watching Turn. Oh, right. So if any of you watch Turn, which was on Netflix, it's six or eight episodes. Turn as in turncoat. As in turncoat. And it uh, there's a this spy in there called Samuel. That be me. And that was we found out through that she didn't know at the time. Well, I knew my ancestor founded this village called town called Lambertville, New Jersey, where Washington crossed the Delaware, where that famous painting is from, et cetera. And I knew he came from Southwest England, founded this, and was involved in all kinds of things, starting helping to start the country. I did not know that his son was the spy, and it's right there in the Holcomb family cemetery. Samuel Holcomb, one of George Washington's spies. So for those of you that care, the the episode, the, uh, I should say, document, not documentary, the no, series. No, it's a series. It's called Turn. It's really, Turncoat. really good. Really good. We've got... Heroes in our past. I know, right? (laughs) Okay. All right. So, Edie, once again, thanks so much for coming. And we really appreciate it. And a big shout out to Harry, Samuel, Giuseppe. And um, now we're going to go drink more Bellinis. We will be seeing you soon. Yes, we will. (laughs) We're coming. Okay. In summary, you know what I was thinking after we ended the recording with Edie and she was long gone. What I failed to mention during that interview is that her ancestor, Harry Pickering, is somewhat, kind of, a little bit responsible for the global success of Cipriani's hotels and restaurants all over the world. Well, to be honest, Giuseppe Cipriani was clearly a very, very clever businessman But it's amazing how the Cipriani brand has taken off and it all started in that one little bar on the Grand Canal. Crazy, right? And I have to admit that I have been in several Ciprianis many, many times, most of them in New York City. And every single time, the service has been impeccable. The food, delicious. The atmosphere cannot be beat. And you know that yes. personal in uh, firsthand. Well, my office, as you remember, on West Broadway, looked right down into it. Oh, yes. Right? Every night Couldn't I could beat see, that location. I could see the groovy people and the beautiful models <laughs> and uh, showing up. And then when we went to Cipriani with our friends from the West Coast, from Venice, California, this, it's like the seas parted because your friend Carolina I was, I was just about to um, mention her. Yes. I have my friend Carolina to thank because she has a special connection to Cipriani. Quindi, grazie mille, mia amica. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for listening. And guess what's coming up next week? We will be sharing another pasta recipe. And as I'm looking over at Tommaso right now, he still looks tired from his Saturday afternoon's long endeavor. Man, those Nonas, they've got some strong backs. I know. He was so physically tired, his back was aching. It was a long day, but was it worth it? Yes. Si. Va bene, grazie mille tutti e ci sentiamo la settimana prossima. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Grazie.